Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. And when the clay one happened... I walked back out. Well, first of all, the, the part about, um, you know, he went back out there, right, which everybody's talked about. And he, somebody ran out and grabbed us in the tunnel and said, if he, if he, if he doesn't shoot these free throws, he can't come back. And Clay didn't even wait for an answer. He just walked back on the court. And I grabbed him and I said, listen, man, if you're going to shoot these free throws, because we didn't know what it was at that time. We, we didn't have no idea. He hadn't been examined. And I said, we don't know what this is. Shoot the free throws. Don't move. Just shoot the free throws and stay there. Okay. All right. I got it. Shoots the free throws. Runs of course, he starts running back. He's like, <laughs> like what? he'll lock it. So what are you doing? Don't he jumps move. up and down. But maybe that's my own fault for trusting that he would. But that's the competitor in the guy. We're gonna bring you on to our huddle. You are. Boys Huddle with me, Bram, and I am fired up to announce that this is a very special episode. Rejoining us, an orthopedic physician and surgeon, a sports medicine specialist who provides comprehensive and specialized care for all sports injuries, including those to the Achilles and knee, and by far the best educated and most qualified guest we've had on this show, Dr. Kyle F. Chun. What's going on, doctor? Nothing much, man. We, um, as, as always... Uh, hello from uh, where everybody else goes to vacation to wherever you live. <laughs> you mean Hawaii? And I'm I'm trying not to be bitter about like I just read your credentials. I'm already jealous of that. I don't need to be bitter about your uh, where you live as well, Doc. And normally this is where I jokingly try to get you to tell me that the name of one of your past uh, patients rhymes with meth, Lurry. But I won't do that today because we desperately. Need your help, man. Um, the Warriors were rocked by two pretty substantial injuries to end the year. 
And although there's a million social media doctors out there and everybody seemingly knows what the hell they're talking about, I actually wanted to talk to somebody who has the credentials to deal with this stuff, which is why we're bothering you. So let's start with Clay. Um, He suffered a torn ACL on his left knee. He hasn't gone through the surgery yet, but is waiting for it. Let's start here, man. Have you ever uh, treated a torn ACL? That's probably one of the more common things we get. You know, I I take care of a lot of um, high school athletes out here as well as uh, the university athletes. And um, it's one of the more common things that uh, sports medicine surgeons or even just general orthopedists uh, will take care of. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't exactly understand why it's the most common ligament torn, um, oh. maybe second to the MCL, but uh, it's a it's the most common one that we're doing surgery on. You know, as far as the knee goes, um, it's a it's a ligament that's on the inside part of the knee. It kind of it protects um, our knee against certain rotational movements, as well as um, if you can picture the shin bone coming forward in relation to the femur bone or the yeah. thigh bone. And so it protects against those two movements. And it, I think it has a lot to do with um, the way um, our, our limbs are positioned in, um, in periods of trying to absorb force. So with, you know, like Clay's injury, you know, um, coming down with a leg near full extension, and especially if you're coming down flat-footed, I don't know if that was the case with him, but if, you know, your, your calf muscle is not engaged, you're coming down flat-footed, your leg's in full extension, your, your body's muscles don't really have that ability to absorb that sort of energy. Sure. And I think that's what a lot of times happens. Give me, I mean, we, we are uh, overestimating my intelligence. Start at a remarkably ignorant level. What does the ACL allow your leg to do? What, what movements does it, does it help the knee perform? So it, 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 it doesn't necessarily allow certain movements or, you know, um, lend itself to do certain things, but what it does is it protects it's against the protection. Oh, I got you. Okay. Yeah. So it, so it it's protects that against, you know, your, it protects against your, um, shin bone from rotating, um, you know, in relation to your thigh bone and it protects against your shin bone from translating or coming forward in relation to your thigh bone. So if you're looking at you from the side, uh, you know, if somebody pushed your, your shin bone forward in its most simplistic way, that ACL kind of is a check ring and it kind of keeps gotcha. it going out there. Okay. I understand. And, and one of the things that kind of stuck out, one of the cool things about the injury and talk about a weird way to put it, but you know, clay goes down, gets hurt. They take him off the court and then he comes back heroically, right? I mean, he, he came out to shoot the two free throws and we later learned he did that because he wanted at least the opportunity to, uh, to stay in the game. And then obviously they took him out and he couldn't come back. But the fact that he came back, you know, it's like this stuff of legend. I was at the game. I was like close to tears. I don't want to admit to you. But help add to the legend. As far as you know, what kind of pain are we talking about? When somebody suffers a torn ACL, is it pretty nasty? Are they? Is it all adrenaline at that point so he wasn't fighting through pain? I mean, what, what did Clay have to do to come back on that court? Well, I think you're taught, you know, I think we're not really, you know, as far as my experience on a day-to-day basis as a practicing orthopedist, I, I, it'd be, it'd be like comparing, you know, apples to oranges. I mean, you're talking about an an elite level world-class athlete that, you know, is beyond the genetic capabilities of most, um, you know, living beings (laughs) in the universe. And so, you know, these guys have the ability to push through things that not many people can. Now, these ACLs come in many different shapes and sizes. They um, sometimes they look like they explode. Sometimes they look like they just kind of peel off. Sometimes the knee looks like it's been hit with a sledgehammer. Sometimes it looks completely normal. So it really depends on 
you know, the energy that went through the knee when it happened, and it depends on, you know, whether or not he has a torn. I'm assuming he doesn't have a torn meniscus because he probably would have had surgery already, but it it depends on what other sort of things happen in the knee when that ACL tears. Um, I'm going to assume to kind of address your question that he was in a, um, an appreciable amount of discomfort, you know, to the point that most, uh, most people will, um, you know, decide to bow out and sit on the court, uh, you know, sit off the court. Um, and that he probably had a certain, uh, large amount of contribution from his, uh, you know, his adrenaline, his yeah. desire to help the team, sure. you know, just being a, you know, a team player and just to try to kind of give that motivation to try to get, you know, get the team through to the next level. And, um, but, you know, definitely he wasn't feeling normal. I respect the hell. I, if I get a podcast in the court or a podcast, if I get a paper cut in the course of this podcast, I won't be able to keep going. So I, I respect that he was able to return. Uh, here's one I was excited to hear. So it's human nature. I do it too. But when an athlete suffers an injury, what we like to do is look back on past athletes who had the similar injury and get a sense of what we can expect as far as recovery. But what that ignores is advancements in medical science. You know, I, I know that you guys are constantly developing new ways to deal with injuries. So let's focus that on ACLs. I mean, over the last, I don't know, 10 years, have there been advancements on how to treat these injuries or is it still kind of the same? Well, I think this, that's the funny thing with the ACLs. It's probably one of the most debated, um, you know, uh, injuries in terms of, you know, technique that we probably have in sports medicine. There's not a whole lot of things that get debated more in terms of how to do it, where to put the ligament, um, what technique to use, where you should put your tunnels, so on and so forth. There's just a litany of uh, of, of research and papers that have been published on you know, A to Z ways to do an ACL. Um, you know, and I think the pendulum swings over time is kind of like education, you know, theories on, you know, you should teach your kids this or teach your kids that. And, you know, and to the point that I think now, for the most part, what I'm hearing and reading is that, you know, these ACLs that we're doing now most resemble the ACL that was done 15, 20 years ago. Huh. You know, we kind of, we, we came up with all this research looking at, okay, well, let's put the, let's put the ACL exactly where the old ACL was, or, you know, let's try to put the, you know, the, the tunnels, when I say referring to tunnels or sockets, you actually have to drill holes in the bone to put a new ligament in there to let your body heal it. You can't repair the ligament itself. You actually have to take tissue from somewhere else and put it there. And so, you know, we, these, all these different studies came out saying you have to put the tunnel here and maybe you should put two tunnels instead of one or, you know, so on and so forth. And what we saw over the last 15 years or so is we saw the re-rupture rate, meaning that the, the likelihood that the graft would re-rupture kind of went up as yeah. we started trying to make things a little bit more anatomic. And then so now this pendulum swung back and we're putting them back where they were, um, you know, uh, many years ago. And so to answer the question in terms of, you know, what is the, you know, most up-to-date thing in terms of, uh, you know, advances in medicine, I think perhaps the more pertinent advances have been you know the um, surgical technique in terms of the equipment that we use so the the camera technology the um the aiming guides for the drills the um sure you know the rehabilitation protocols all of these sort of you know the implant types have advanced but in terms of where we're putting the graft, it hasn't changed a whole lot. Sure. I mean, it sounds like the, the procedure is at least substantially similar, but your ability to do that procedure has gotten a lot better with the equipment. Correct. Um, it's gotten a lot quicker. It's gotten a lot minimally invasive. The rehabilitation is a lot quicker. Right. We understand more about the, the, the dynamics around the knee. 
And with that new, I mean, at least with the new instrumentality and the old procedure, what's our, our timeline now? And I heard you, you know, we, we are dealing with somebody who's been nicknamed Wolverine, right? We've got a world-class yeah. athlete, and then also we've got normal people suffering these injuries. So what's yeah. the basic um, spread? You know, what, what's the spectrum on that? What's the fastest you've seen somebody be able to come back? And then, you know, a worst-case scenario. Yeah, so my my – my, I, I use this line probably about three or four times a week when I'm getting a kid saying, you know, <laughs> when can I go back and play? And my line is like, okay, so how fast did Adrian Peterson come back and almost break that record? Yeah. So yeah. he was on the field six months after his ACL. All right. So Adrian Peterson is a freak athlete playing a contact sport that requires a lot of cutting. Um, and that is the fastest that you will probably see somebody come back at that level. Okay. Six months. Okay. Now, the most re-injuries to the ACL that we see typically happen in the first two years. And this is following surgery. It, Forgive me. I, I should have set it up. This is six months after he actually does the surgery. This is after the surgery. Okay. Correct. Not gotcha. after the injury. This is after you get that new graft put in there. Gotcha. And this is barring any sort of complications which occur to all of sure. us as surgeons. You know, infections, um, stiffness of the knee, you know, hardware problems, all these sorts of things that can come up that have less to do with the surgeon himself or the procedure and just more with you know bad luck you know i mean there's just this you know certain percentage of complications that will happen no matter who you are sure but barring any of those things you know i use adrian peterson all the time you know he comes back and almost breaks this record six months after an acl you know i tell my run-of-the-mill weekend warrior guy or my high school athlete you know with a who i'm giving what i would consider the gold standard graft which is a patella tendon graft hey look I will let you start getting on the field if you show me you regain your strength huh. and you pass my return to sport protocol at six months, but not okay. tonight. Yeah. Okay. And so, I mean, basically it's just a dynamic process. Start looking at six months and then just prepare, you know, if, if they're not ready, yeah. then just, just keep checking back in. Um, yeah. Let me ask you another spectrum question. So on one side, have you ever had somebody come back at a hundred percent? And on the other side, what permanent limitations can also happen? You know, give give me a reason for optimism, hopefully, and then prepare us for some negativity. So I've had the entire spectrum. I, I, I think the majority of my, what I would consider my motivated athletes, meaning people that are either, you know, they just really, really want to get back to where they are. They either have, you know, ulterior motive in terms of scholarship opportunities or whatnot, sure. return to near 100%. I've had some... I just had a kid come back two weeks ago trying to get into the military that needed me to write him a note um, that said that the side that I did felt better than his side that he never injured. You know, and huh. so I think there there is the definite and actually there's a definite possibility and to a certain degree, at least in my hands, I expect my patients to return at or near 100 um, percent. And so I would not I wouldn't expect anything else out of him. You know, I mean, he's you know, again, like you said, you know, these guys are freak athletes and. You know, an ACL nowadays in a professional athlete has turned into a recoverable injury. You know, you've got Tom Brady. I mean, look at what he's done. You got, you got, you know, and Tom Brady had other ligament injured as well. You got Peterson. You got multiple guys coming back from ACLs, you know, um, that uh, are going to be perfectly. Edelman, MVP last year, right? Yep. All these guys coming back crazy after ACLs. And so I think he probably, you know, if I'm in Vegas, I'm betting a lot of money that he comes back as good or better than he was before. Let's go. I, I'm motivated enough by that take where if I did have a paper cut, I'd be able to keep going now, Doc. You've, you've, uh, you've helped me through my own pussiness here. Uh, <laughs> let's flip. So the other injury might be more severe, but I certainly want your take on it. Um, Kevin Durant had a couple of them. 
He suffers what the Warriors call the mild calf strain on May 8th, and then he has a ruptured right Achilles uh, when he comes back on June 10th. Uh, let's start easy. Am I right in assuming you've treated both calf and Achilles injuries? Yep, I have. Um, is there on the same side? He had them on the same side. Yeah, exactly right. Both right-sided. Um, and so let me, and I've got a lot of questions on this one, but let's start simply. Achilles, you know, the same way that you kind of let us know what the ACL does within the body. What's the Achilles doing for us? Yeah, so the Achilles, you know, in the simplistic, uh, you know, uh, terms, you know, is the heel cord, you know, connects our calf muscle down to our heel bone, allows us to push off, um, you know, with our feet, you know, which is important in jumping, uh, stability just with standing and, uh, you know, protection of the ACL, protection of the ankle, and gives us a lot of our explosion. Um, and I consider, you know, it's one of the terminal or the most, the, the end portion of what's called the posterior chain, which connects you know, essentially your pelvis and lower back all the way down to the bottom of your feet, you know, including your gluteals, your hamstrings and your calf muscles, you know, the Achilles kind of that anchor point. Okay. So okay. it's this really important ligament that allows us to be explosive, to change directions and to maintain balance. I know what a calf is. I bet you our listeners do too. So I'm going to have kind of a, a, a more poignant question on the calf. Warriors came out and announced it as a mild calf strain. I'm not a doctor. I certainly don't have any medical degree and never spent a day in medical school. But I've read enough sports articles in the past and have seen enough people who have calf injuries where my understanding is these things are normally given grades, you know, like grade one, grade two. I have never heard a designation as mild. But let me let me ask you, is that a medical de determination? Like when the Warriors came out and called this thing a mild calf strain, have you ever heard that diagnosis before? Yeah, I think, you know, when it, well, at least in my, you know, in, you know, in my, um, you know, bank of uh, words and how I describe things, I consider mild a grade one, I would consider okay. moderate a grade two, and I would consider severe a grade okay. three. You know, so it was basically in orthopedics. Yeah, in orthopedics, we kind of go in these grade one, two, three things, and nobody, it's kind of an arbitrary sort of thing. There's some classification schemes, but when I heard Kevin Durant has a mild calf strain. I'm like, oh, he's got a grade one calf strain, which, okay. you know, as soon as they hear grade one strain anything, I'm thinking, ah, this is probably four to six weeks, maybe eight weeks on the outside. You know, that's okay. what I'm thinking when I think mild. And we are going to cover the, the connection between the calf and the Achilles. First, let's get a sense of what Durant's future is. So same thing I asked you before, as far as treating a torn Achilles, has there been advancement there? Is it the same kind of pendulum swing where it's the same procedures but better instrumentality or, or how is that injury treated now so it's um you know it's again in its most simplistic form it's connected it's kind of like you know trying to you know a rope tore in its middle and you try to re you know repair it end to end but it depends where it tears and it depends on what the tissue looks like so it can tear in the middle of the tendon in which case it's like you know connecting two ends of a rope it can tear all the way down where it's attached at your heel bone which then you're attaching tendon to bone, or it can, it can tear further up near what we call the musculotendinous junction, which is where the calf muscle is turning into the tendon. It's a transition zone. So it depends huh. where it tears in terms of what you can do. And so to answer your question, yes, there has been a lot, actually in the past probably 10 to 15 years, a lot more advancements in the way we treat Achilles tendon ruptures um, compared to the ACL. Um, there's been a lot of things reported in terms of whether or not we actually have to treat Achilles tendon rupture. So in the lay person, and I see in my office, I'm giving them an option. Hey, you tore your Achilles tendon. A lot of these do not need to be repaired, believe huh. it or not. It's kind of crazy. Huh. 
but in my young athletic population, the functional return and the likelihood of them re-tearing it is lower if I repair it. Sure. So if I have a more of a, um, you know, you know, for lack of a better term, a couch potato um, weekend warrior athlete or just somebody that happens to step off the curb and tear their yep. Achilles, but they're not playing sports three or four times a week, I'm probably going to try to convince that person, hey, let's just treat this non-operatively. There's really good studies that have shown if we rehab this thing appropriately and early that you're going to have good function. Yeah. Um, on the flip end, I get a 16-year-old soccer player that plants his foot, feels a pop, and that thing's torn, and I get him within a week. I'm saying, let's just fix this thing because I know sure. I'm going to get you back quicker than if I treat you non-operatively. And so give me both spectrums, all right? What I'm interested in is best case timeline when they can come back following a surgery, worst case timeline, and then what we can expect physically, whether you've ever seen somebody actually come back 100% and if that's the norm as opposed to, you know, something that we, we can't possibly expect. So, you know, I think we talked about this with uh, with uh, Boogie Cousins a few months, you know, and maybe yep. almost a year ago maybe now. But, um, you know, I think um, on one, you know, so to answer the first part of the question, now, how long can we expect this guy to be out? You know, I think I tell everybody with these Achilles, especially if you're at a high level sport, especially something like basketball, where you're going to be expected to explode, change directions and jump. I mean, this is a nine months to a year injury, okay. you know, as far as yep. I'm concerned. You know, this is a long one. Yep. Um, you know, I, I think six months is way, way, way too quick to be optimistic in terms of somebody coming back full speed. Sure. Okay, I'm, I'd be happy if they prove, <laughs> prove me wrong. I'm sure you would, too. Yep. Um, the um and then to the second part of your question you know how you know at what level will he will he or can he return um i think that's a little bit more up in the air i think if you look at you know at the track record of achilles tendon injuries in the nba you know if you can look at all of these guys going back you know you know past kobe even before that some guys make it back great and some guys never really do and so i yep. think it's a little bit unpredictable in terms of in terms of how they do now does that mean that i wouldn't offer him as much as i possibly could probably not because i mean he's arguably if not the best guy on the court right i mean one of the best you know and so i mean i think for somebody like him it's worth a gamble so just to make sure what you're you're saying is if if you were advising a team as their team doctor and they came to you and said doc should we give this dude a max offer you would say yeah go for it i would it's kevin durant yeah right (laughs) and he might still be that so here let me let me because the the connection between Boogie is exactly right. Um, and I'm going to just share my neurosis. You tell me if it's off. So, you know, we saw Boogie come back. Um, he only played very briefly. Then he suffers a quad injury, and they rush him back immediately, and then we saw him in the finals. But my perception of Boogie in the finals, man, he still had his skill set, but he had lost his lift. He'd get to the basket, but he just couldn't jump anymore. And it's mm-hmm. easy for me to immediately say, oh, it's his, it's his Achilles. It's his quad. He, he has nothing left. But it, it mm-hmm. leads to this question. This recovery, is it is it an ongoing one? That is to say, Boogie looks like he can't jump right now. But let's say next year, you know, can we expect ongoing recovery from the Achilles, from the quad? Is it does it continue to get better, I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah, I mean if I you know, if that was my patient and I saw him, you know, and I had him laid up for a year and then I brought him back and he strained his quad, I'm looking at his quad as a deconditioning injury. I'm looking at this as like, look, you weren't Yep. You felt ready. We let you go back. You were playing, but now you got this injury because everything else downstream of this injury is now, 
you know, it's kind of like not running your car for a little while. You're going to have stuff that's, you know, you know, maybe the transmission went sure. out, but then you start running it again. Now the water pump goes because, you know, whatever it is. And so there's downstream things. To, so in answer to your question, yeah, I think that this is a long-term recovery process that you can expect prolonged periods of improvement over time. And I honestly wouldn't write somebody off for it. I mean, I'm, I'm just throwing a number out there, but I wouldn't write somebody off for at least two years after it. Okay. To okay. See how, you know, especially these guys. So it is possible they get back to 100%. Maybe not probable, but so. at least possible. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, I think so. And which leads me to the part I've been most fired up about. So, <laughs> you know, there's been all types of speculation out there about whether or not Durant came back. Is there a connection between the calf and the Achilles? And before we get into any of it, let's set up this premise. So Dr. Chun has not treated Kevin Durant has not seen any of his medical records, has not been allowed to view any of his MRIs. So I'm going to take it away from the specific and make it generalized. All right. We are just okay. talking about a possible patient. Let me start okay. here. Let's assume that you are treating a patient is a basketball player. They suffer a right-sided mild calf strain. Would you think that that strain would make that patient more susceptible to a right-sided Achilles tear? No. Why not? Because in my mind, it's so, you know, it's, it depends what the MRI looks like, but if it's truly a calf strain um, and it's up in the muscle itself and it's not at that area that I talked to you about in that musculotendinous junction where that muscle's turning into tendon, if it's really all the way up in the muscle, yep. I really don't understand how that makes you susceptible to sustaining a, a torn tendon. Yep. Now, if that calf strain was in that neighborhood of that area where the muscle is turning into tendon, I can see how that can put you at a higher risk for, for getting a rupture, especially if the rupture ends up being in that same zone. I got you. So if the rupture is out of the zone where it's down in the tendon or it's all the way down by the heel, I don't know how that, okay. I, I can't think of any way how that will make you susceptible to that because if it's in a completely different area, and, you know, he plants his foot on this athlete, plants his foot, pushes off and feels a pop and it tears in the area that he recently had the strain. That makes sense to me. It's kind of yep. like it, there's an area that was cracked already. Yep. And then it was weakened. Gonna, sure. It's going to fail in the area that it's weakest. But if it fails in the area, another area that wasn't injured before, I don't understand how that happens. And so to me, if it truly was a cash strain, it should not make him uh, more susceptible to sustaining a true Achilles tendon rupture, which would be through the tendon. My guess is that if I had a patient with a calf strain that I thought was a calf strain and I didn't have an MRI, or even if I did, but it was anywhere near that musculotendon destruction. Yep. And then I get a call from the coach and he says, Hey, you know, kid planted, felt a pop. First thing I'm going to think is like he popped, he tore his Achilles or he tore his, he tore his Achilles at the junction. Okay. which is where that thing was. Yep. I just really wouldn't think that it would be down in the cord. And it makes sense. And what it also really illustrates is the difference between specific and general, right? Because with the, so, I mean, what we are hearing everybody without a medical degree saying, and I was one of them, I'll be, I'll be totally upfront, is of course there's, you know, the calf bones connected to the Achilles. Of course they should have known. But really what I'm hearing you say is each injury is different and you would need to be able to actually see what injury it was, where it was before you could make that determination. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And, um, you know, it's all open to speculation and, you know, in terms of, 
you know, I mean, I've heard things already, you know, it's like, well, maybe it was a partial Achilles and they let him go back and then he tore the Achilles. I don't, I don't think anybody in their right mind would ever do that, right? like that yeah. would let Kevin Durant go back with a partial Achilles tear. Okay. There's no way. Let so me it ask probably it. honestly was a cast. Let me ask it a different way, um, and it's a two-part question. First, so when, when you're working with a patient who's trying to get back, and they ultimately decide, okay, you know, it's it's the the moment for them to come back. For you in your practice, do you just leave it up to I me? Mean, do you do you give them the risks and then leave it up to them, or is it your final word? I give them the risks and leave it up to them. Okay. Um, my, go ahead. Go ahead. No, please go ahead. No, no, my 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 the way I look at myself in terms of, you know, what I do for my practice is, you know, if, if, if we're talking life or limb, you know, in terms of, you know, Hey, you're going to get really, really hurt with this, like something where I might not be able to fix it. And, and I'm not totally sure then I will say, absolutely. You can't, but when I have good objective evidence that, yep. Hey, this thing, you know, this thing followed the right timeline, everything's, you know, this kid's doing everything that I need him to do on the sideline or in the gym or whatever it is. Um, the therapist, uh, you know, I talk to him on the phone. They say, hey, you know, this kid's good. You know, his muscle strength's good, tone's good, reaction time's good. Um, and, you know, I say, hey, look, you know, you got this injury. It's followed the right timeline. This is what I think it is. Um, I can't guarantee you that you're not going to re injure anything All else, right. but just based upon what I'm looking at, if you feel like you can go, I'm okay if you go. That's, a, you that's my line. It makes perfect sense um, because you're not, I mean, ultimately there's got to be a whole subjective component to this. So you're just describing, Correct. here's the objective findings, but ultimately subjectively, what are you feeling? Here's the, here's the money question. All right. And I think I know I'm, I'm almost positive. It'll be exactly as you described uh, before that you'd need a little bit of information about where the tear was. But if you were treating a person and you think that they are right, you know, to the point where they might be able to come back from a calf strain, a mild one, and you were giving them the possible risks, you know, you were giving them the speech you just told us about. Would one of the risks you talk to them about be an Achilles tear? No. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you know, well, it's just and because of what you just told us, right? Because as long as it wasn't in that transition area, if it was so high, then there's no reason to think there would be any connection. Oh, there you go. It makes makes sense. Um, if you had to bet, because I didn't get this question, and I, I love the one on Clay. If you were in Vegas and you had to put money down, would you bet that Kevin Durant comes back at 100%? Yeah, I would. <laughs> hey, all right, Doc. This has been uh, not only informative, but reason for optimism. I really appreciate you doing this with us. I really enjoy our no pod. Yeah, yeah, awesome. You're, you're fun, man. Uh, oh, vice versa, man. You're, you're a lot more informative and fun than most of our guests. But, um, but you know, if, if anybody out there was looking for a phenomenal surgeon or, or just wanted more Dr. Chun in their life, any, anywhere they should turn, is there a website or anything like that we should let them know about? Uh, yeah, you can find me at uh, kylechunmd.com, um, and that can kind of pretty much get you to wherever you need to be. And then, uh, yeah, hope, hopefully you don't get hurt if you're vacationing in Hawaii. <laughs> but if you, if you do, I'll see you. She's got your back. Doctor, thank you. Uh, get back to your patients, and hopefully we'll well, hopefully we'll talk to you again. I'm not going to say soon because that means there's been another nasty injury we need to cover, but I'm looking forward to it whenever it is. All right, buddy. You take care. Uh, Have a good day. You too, Doc. Talk to you soon. 
I love doing this pod. Always love doing this pod. But there's something specific about the Dr. Kyle pods that I really genuinely enjoy doing. It just makes me feel smarter afterwards, which is a really hard thing to do for me. On our side, if you want to reach out, all the normals apply. Our email is uh, warriorshuttle at gmail.com. Our Twitter is at Warriors Huddle, but maybe most importantly, I wanted to talk to you guys really briefly about the Patreon account. So we are on Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and it's set up. And so far, I tell you guys that if you'd like to support us in any way, we'd really appreciate it. Even a dollar a month helps. But one time before, and I want to be honest again now, I've let you know how much that Patreon support means. It means the world. In fact, it's the main reason that we can continue to do this podcast on a weekly basis. So if you have the inclination and you'd like to help us out even a little bit, please hop up on Patreon and help us out. And to show you how much we appreciate you and to start giving back a little bit, the first three people who hop up on the Patreon account and donate to us following this ad are going to receive a free copy of uh, the book about Kevin Durant that Marcus Thompson II put together, and it is excellent. Let me obviously say that if you do not want to donate to the Patreon account, we understand. We still appreciate your time. But if you are one of those who are going a little bit further, thank you, thank you, thank you. And please take this book as an illustration of what you mean to us. With that in mind, you guys, go Warriors. And uh, hopefully we'll see you real soon. Good, good. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done.